Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that there is more to confidence in the bedroom or the kitchen or the sex club or a stairwell or the woods or wherever you are. There's so much more to sex wherever you do it than just jackhammering away. But if all you're missing in your relationship is some mutually beneficial stiffness, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office with the doctors that never got trained in sex ed and how to talk to people about it, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They say that there is nothing sexier than confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. Of course, I know you sweet listeners know that using confidence to connect, if you can be confident enough to be really vulnerable with someone, to communicate, to create a safe space that you occupy together, that is super hot. That's the foundation of a connection. And if you have a boner, that can definitely help you do certain things that you know that I love, just as long as you don't skip all the other stuff too. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. And as they say, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER. At checkout, you just pay $5 shipping. That is bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wiley, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we peel away layers of blame, shame, and judgment to discover our fun parts so that we can connect with each other in all the ways our hearts desire. Our guest today is a 21-year-old gender-fluid polysexual person who uses they-them pronouns and has been in a partnered polyamorous relationship for two years. They are kinky and are into breeding, BDSM, puppy play, and anal. A university student studying criminology and paying those student bills via OnlyFans, welcome, Nova. Hi. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so excited for this. I am a super duper excited. What an intro. Can you start off by telling us if you had to rate yourself on a sexual shameometer with one being shameless and 10 being super full of shame, where do you fall right now? Oh, that's a hard one. So I just had group therapy to deal with some sexual assault trauma and it was for survivors. So that was yesterday. So I'm sitting at about a six because the entire topic was shame and guilt. Oh, wow. So it's kind of ironic that that's the first question you asked me because that was just that was the entire topic of my therapy session was shame and guilt. And so I'm feeling a little shameful. But at the same time, I'm like, no, like wipe that away. You got this. You're good. Mm. So we're doing better. Well, and you know, it's so interesting because all feelings are little signals to us about what we need, right? Or that's how I understand them. I've done a lot of reading about feelings and emotions as kind of like signals to action. You know, anger signals us to move, to do something. Was this in person or was it like a Zoom group? It was in person. Can I ask how many people were there? Oh, there was about 10 of us. Okay. What was it like being in a room with 10 people talking about shame? It was kind of really awesome. But at the same time, like, really strange. So, like, you get all the responses that people have. And a lot of it was about family shame, which I'll I'll probably talk about a bit more later. But it was the sense of, like, 
shame from family is so different than shame you feel from like other people in society and like Mm. almost everyone in the group when I said that just completely nodded their head and agreed and I just sat there and I was like wow this is really a validating feeling that I'm not alone in this whoa can you describe the difference between those two shames and or what influences your life kind of in a day-to-day way for family shame for me it's much more like personal they they know you as a person and the shame that they feel is not necessarily like about you but it's more of like we know you can be a better person whereas society when they see you in this light it's a shame because you know like you shouldn't be doing that that's against societal norms whereas your family it's like we know you as a person can do better than that that's where i find it very different of society is just like no like that's not normal in society. And then your family is just like, no, you're a good person. Why are you sinking to that level? And like, that's what my family always said. And I was like, oh, Oh, okay. 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 So it has a lot to do with expectations. And it's so funny. People talk to me about societal norms all the time. But the more that I talk to people, I'm like, but what are you talking about though? Because like, are there, you know, and of course, Instagram says yes, all the social media things say yes, but also it's like really wiggly. So Not to get hung up on shame right at the beginning of your episode. However, before we started recording, we were just talking about trying to make sex stories more safe for work, trying to, you know, make this podcast actually pay for itself with advertising. And one of the brief thoughts I had was like, I'll just call it, I'll just do shame stories. We'll have shame stories and then we'll have sex stories. And then I was like, probably no one wants to listen to that. Probably no one wants to like come record that. But here you were in a group of people talking about shame in the name of healing. Was that hard for you? Was it scary? Was it was that more of a safe container? I think it was definitely hard because we go into that group and the first session that we have in group is these are the topics we want to talk about. So we picked that topic of shame and guilt. And I think I was actually the one who recommended that topic and like threw it out into the group because I was like, you know, there's a huge feeling of like shame because I worked in the sex industry and people like look at me and they're like, no, you didn't. And I'm like, yeah, actually I did. And I still do. And people just look at me and they're like, no. And I'm like, yeah. So it was really awesome. But at the same time, like you could sense like there was one girl, it was her first time showing up because it's it's an all-female group and me. Yeah. (laughs) But there was one girl who showed up and it was her first time showing up to the group. She had never been to the previous two um, group sessions that we had had. And you could tell she was just very uncomfortable because she didn't expect that to happen. And one of our girls in our group actually was fully sharing her story. And it was the first time she had ever shared that story from start to finish. And the room just went silent as it is that we listened to this girl's explanation of shame in her life and how she felt. And that feeling was just, wow. And I, I, I actually, I was the only one to comment on hers. And I went, you know, I'm, I'm proud of you for being able to share that because it was so, it was so emotionally like, wow. Like if I sat there and went, wow, I couldn't have imagined how she was feeling. And I know that feeling because I've had to do the same thing where I share my story and people are like, wow, that's a time. And they don't entirely know how to like handle it because most people like will try to be like, I get it. But in most of those scenarios, you don't get it. And like as much as you try to be sympathetic, you don't understand. So 
the entire sense of shame that was in that group, everyone was like, the shame is there, but we didn't let it define us in that group. And we were able to still sit there and be like, we can move past this. Like one of the discussions that we did was we got into like smaller groups of like two or three people and we had like a list of questions. And one of them was like, name a situation where you felt really shameful in and like what happened. And then the next question is literally, how can you go back to tell yourself that what you did wasn't shameful and you didn't need to feel ashamed for it? Which I think was a great question to ask. And they found like we would struggle trying to do it on ourselves. That's why you had a partner or two with you. Cause then they would sit there and be like, well, this is why you shouldn't feel shame for it. Cause they had an outside perspective, which was really nice. Mm. Whoa. Okay. Let's refocus getting back to our intro questions. <clears throat> How would you describe your relationship to sex over the course of your lifetime? If you had to just look back on it and kind of like give us a little roller coaster overview. So over the course of my lifetime, I think it's definitely like fluctuated and gone up and down because at the start it was very I wouldn't want to say confusing, but like it seems the most accurate of a word right now. Mm. But it was just very odd because like I was dealing with older siblings, but then I was also dealing with my own age group. And then I was dealing with my siblings going through things. And then I was dealing with my own shit. And then, so it was just a very confusing time overall. Does confusing have a connotation to it? Like I have a rage response to confusion. Like people don't see me mad on this podcast because I'm not confused because I'm in charge. I get so frustrated and mad when I'm trying to communicate to someone and it's not working and I feel like they're not trying or like I'm trying to figure something out. Like that's basically like my whole like (laughs) struggle in life. But what's your relationship to the word confusing? I think it's definitely a very frustrating word for me. Like Mm. confusion was always something that I was like, okay, why am I not understanding this? And so it was definitely a component of anger, but it was also a component of almost... I don't want to say sadness. That doesn't seem right, but almost fear, like a fear of not ever going to be able to know what's happening. Mm. And that was a big fear of mine when I was growing up is I was like, I don't understand what's going on. Why do I not understand what's going on? And when will I understand what's going on? Because a lot of the times, like I'd walk into conversations and then they'd stop the conversation. And I was like, okay, but I heard this and I want to understand why can't I understand it? But you can't ask those questions because that wasn't the conversation you were supposed to hear. Mm. So like, it's a very frustrating one because I want to be able to understand, but they just won't explain it to me. And that was like a lot of my life, especially revolving around sex is it was like, we're going to give you like bits and pieces, but we're not going to explain all of it to you at one go. And I was like, oh, that's frustrating. Yeah. What about now? Now? Oh, gosh. I was actually talking with my partner about this before I came on here. And we were talking about how like... I've grown so much as a person, especially in my sexuality, because like when he met me, it was chaos. Like it was absolute chaos. And I think that's the easiest way to describe it is chaos. But now I've gotten to a point where I'm like, okay, I understand what's going on for the most part. If I don't understand it, I'm not afraid to ask those questions, which is pretty awesome. I still don't have necessarily all the resources of like people I can ask those questions to but I'm working on expanding my group so I can actually ask people these questions of like hey I don't know what rimming is what is rimming and have somebody Mm. explain that to me (laughs) it was the example I had in my head (laughs) 
I can but tell you about it, rimming. <laughs> <laughs> this is why it's not a safer work podcast. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> but, like, I'm, I'm working on expanding that like horizon so that I can ask people those questions. And like my partner and I are starting this discord server, which basically allows people to be themselves and be sexual and be able to have like the option to do it safely. Cause one of the big things that I found is I love exhibitionism. I'm a huge fan of it, but it's so difficult to do that safely where it is that you're no longer getting in trouble and to find people that are into that. Yeah. And do it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So we wanted to create the server so that we could do that. And people who are voyeurs or anything like that are able to be like, okay, like I'm going to sit in and watch this. I don't have to, I can leave whenever. And that's totally fine. Which I think is like what we wanted to do. So currently I'm sitting in a much better space in like sexually and all that, just because I've grown so much as a person through my experiences and through meeting my partner. And I'm just, I'm very lucky that I'm, I've grown so much. Beautiful. Also, you have been with your partner for two years. Did you meet them like right when you started dating or you said when you met them, you were in this place, but like, was that longer before? So I met my partner in March. I think it might have been 2022. Okay. Tell us, what do you love about sex? Oh, gosh. Sex is just, for me, it's so amazing to be able to, like, express myself in a way that, like, I'm in control of it now. Because for a long time, I wasn't in control when it came to sex. And that was, like, a really hard thing. So now I love the fact that, like, I can turn around and dom my partner. And he's just like, yeah. Or I can turn around and be like, yo, I want to sub. And he's like, okay, let's do it. And like, that's so amazing to me that you can have a relationship like that, where it's just like, no, I want this to be mutually pleasurable, everyone to have a good time. And like, that's amazing to me. So, fuck yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What counts as sex for you? So when I was looking over these questions, this is the one that stumped me the most because it's hard for me to define sex purely because I had so many bad experiences with it. And when your first experience of sex is bad, you don't entirely know how to define it. And at the same time, growing up, like I grew up in a Catholic high school and elementary school. You don't learn a lot about sex. The entire thing I learned was abstinence. And like, that Mm. was it. Like I remember in grade nine, I want to say my gym teacher, because you had to learn health in gym, which was still weird to me, but nonetheless, my gym teacher turned around and was like, these are STIs and this is like what would happen and like all these horror photos, right? Which apparently a lot of people have gotten. And I'm like, that's awful. But then the main thing that they would reiterate is abstinence is key. If you sustain from sex, you'll be good. And it wasn't until like later on that I learned like, okay, that's not the only thing that's sexual. And to them, sex was just penis goes in a vagina. That is sex. And I'm like, okay, that's not, just sex because I had very different experiences so when I was growing up I sat there and I was like okay my first time having sex quote-unquote would have been 15 but I'm sitting there now and I'm like okay logically my first sexual act more or less would have been probably closer to 14 13 14 and I'm like okay that's not necessarily the hugest age gap but it's still a very different timeline. So to define sex to me is such a hard thing to do. Mm. 
I really just define it more as like a sexual act is pleasure for both. And that's how I want to define it because to a lot of people, like that would exclude like a lot of assault and anything, which I want to exclude. Cause to me, that's not sex. That's just a sexual, sexual act. assault. Yeah, exactly. It's very different. And I think that's what people miss when we define sex as just penis and a vagina. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not what sex is. Like sex is two people mutually agreeing on this, both gaining pleasure from it. And if it's not like, that's not really great sex. Like if you're not both getting pleasure, that's a whole other issue. Well, okay. So that's my follow-up question. Does this answer change what counts as sex if you go into sex work mode and we're selling it? Oh, that's a hard one. So when I was first getting into sex work, I was greatly exploited like very massively exploited because I didn't know any better. No one taught me anything. And in my life and in my growing up, nobody tells you sex work is an option. They always like exclude it as an option. I I remember my mom telling me, you can be anything you want except a prostitute and a hooker. And I was like, oh, okay. I think there was also a drug dealer in there, but like said that literally. He did say that. Yeah. Something along those lines. Okay, mom, you really planted this seed. (laughs) She didn't mean to. And I I love my mother dearly, but like she genuinely didn't want me to go into that because she was terrified of what had happened to her when she was younger. Mm. And that's not my story to tell, but she had had some issues when she was younger. And I kind of learned that later on in my life. And so it explains now why she said those things. Mm. But no one had ever taught me that sex work was okay. Yeah. So when I went into sex work, because I was a broke university student, a, a different university than I'm at now, and I was sitting there running out of money, I turned around and went, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I went onto a sugar baby website, because originally I was just going to be like, no, I'm just going to be a sugar baby. That's all I'm going to do. It doesn't a involve sex. Drug. And I was like, <laughs> I was such a naive little kid. I mean, I wasn't a kid, but I was a naive little kid because yeah. I didn't know better. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm just going to be a sugar baby. That doesn't involve anything. It's like might involve kissing, maybe a blowjob here and there, because mm. in my head, blowjob doesn't equal sex. Right. I'm okay. an idiot, but whatever. You're not an idiot. <laughs> At the time, I was not thinking the way I would have thought now. Look, I didn't know that blowjobs were oral sex until like my second year of giving them rampantly. You know, we don't know what we know until we know it, you know, and I just want to support all of us in letting go of self-name calling, even if it's a joke. Yes, I'm very bad for that. So please call me out (laughs) on it. But wait, I'm just going to offer different things. You're not bad. You literally just said you're bad. You're not bad. You're practicing. We are all practicing together. I'm really practicing the act of name calling. <laughs> and of, I'm not of, good for that. <laughs> we're pra- well, I think we're practicing we're um, giving ourselves praises. Practicing personal praise, I think, is something we can exactly. support. It. I mean, I, I have to practice this too. This is also my current like most annoying habit that I do with friends. But also, I think it's really important for me. For me oh, and my own self, I've noticed a huge difference in my like – capacity for self-love and the amount that I do or don't allow myself to call, you know, or even just catch it, right? Maybe I call the name, but like catching name calling. <laughs> okay. Sorry for interrupting your story. Please continue. That's okay. So I turned around and I was like, I'm just going to be a sugar baby. That's all I'm going to do. And 
fast forward, I met a couple guys on a website and I was like, okay, this is fine. And like we met up and one thing led to another and inevitably they ended up assaulting me. And I was like, oh, okay. But I made good money. Mm. So I was like, "Mm, I kind of need the money. Mm. So it kind of like led me down this spiral of, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm just going to make money out of it. I don't care if it's pleasurable for me. It's just to make money. And that's really what it became, which is why for me, like, yes, that was sex work. Yeah. But it wasn't really sex. It was more of a assault or a sexual act in itself, but it wasn't really sex. And that's really how I had to define it to myself. Mm, okay. That's a really important distinction too, because, you know, I, the reason that I get really specific here, and I know that I can really get lost in the weeds is, you know, as a sex worker, obviously we live in the land of like supposed legality and consensuality. But when you get into actual in-person work, you know, those things can go out the window. And so I know that some people have different prices obviously you're only ever purchasing time right but there are different prices for different acts for some people but then there's also in the sense of assault you know a boundary push big boundary push yep do you feel comfortable i don't want to like get into dirty details of assault but since it's come up it feels important for me to kind of get into certain levels of detail around what the actual act of assault is, right? Because so often it's linked with some measure of boundary pushing. So as it was happening to you, were you like, oh shit, I'm getting assaulted right now? Or was it sort of like a tricky thing you looked back on? Like, can you just share a little bit around your understandings at the time, maybe expectations as a sex worker, and then like looking back with the healing work that you're doing? Yeah. So absolutely. I did not think at the time this was getting assaulted. Like, A hundred percent I didn't because I was always taught like an assault is from a stranger who you've never met before. And it's like that stranger danger aspect of they're just going to come out. They're going to like pull you into a back alley. It's going to happen. And like this big dangerous thing is going to happen. You're going to fight. You're going to do all this. That's not what happened. Like what happened was I invited this guy back to my place. And what ended up happening was no condom was used. No protection was used. And what ended up happening was I was this young person who never understood the difference because I was never shown anything different. Like I understood condoms should be used and all that, but it was never a reality for me. So what happened was this guy came back to my house and no condom was used. There was a lot of spanking that I didn't necessarily want, Mm -hmm. but I was like, you know what? He wants it and it'll get me more money. Mm -hmm. So it'll be fine. Because oftentimes I've had people who would turn around and just say, yeah, but I didn't get to do what I wanted. And I'd be like, okay, but I still set the price. And they were like, yeah, but so we'd have to do it again Mm. so that they could get what they wanted so that I could get the money. And so it became a huge issue. I've learned. I've definitely learned from that, which I'm very happy about. But it was definitely like this big thing of I was like, wow, looking back on this now, That was a massive assault thing, and it was Mm. pretty bad. So is it even possible to answer this question? Like, what is sexy to you? It sounds like you do have a robust sex life. Yeah. So that's always a fun one because, you know, I've definitely had, like, interesting past 
sex life and you know that's okay but sexy to me oh gosh like sexy to me is like the confidence that somebody feels when like it's a mutual trust mm-hmm. does that make sense mm-hmm. so in the sense that like there's a mutual trust of this is going to happen consensually and the confidence that somebody gets and is like almost not overpowering but like a sense of like they're bigger than you just to be able to be like hey I'm gonna do this and you're gonna enjoy it and I know you're gonna enjoy it and I'm just like please Mm. (laughs) so that's like a huge sexy thing for me which is kind of weird to a lot of people when they hear my story because they're like you've been assaulted why would you want that and I'm like because that's still hot to me. Yes. That does not that was not what happened yes. in my assault. And so this is super sexy when they're like we I know that this is what you want. Oh. I know this is something we consented to yes. and this is something we're going to do to enjoy it. And like that's a big thing. Aligned yeah. desire with an underlying layer of trust is super fucking hot. That's a great answer. Oh, I love that. Fuck yeah, it's sexy. Okay, you hit on this a little bit with the Catholic school, but is there anything else to say around the sex talks you did or didn't get sex ed or consent education growing up? Oh, gosh. Yeah, there is. So I love my family. I grew up the youngest of a family of six. So there was a lot of us. And my eldest sister is eight years older than me. So there's a bit of an age gap. And so when I was turning about eight, she was getting into this times where she's going to be having her first experiences at parties and all this stuff. And I remember my dad talking to her and her friend and they were genuinely asking, and I was sitting in like another room. So I don't think they even knew I was listening, but like we had kind of an open concept. Not really. We had like two doors to our kitchen that you could like listen in, but you couldn't like see that somebody was there. Got it. So it was kind of weird. So they're in the kitchen and they ask, they're like, can you get pregnant from swallowing? Uh I think, to be fair, I think they were a little younger at the time and I was a little younger, but like it was approximately that age that I was like, oh, okay, I kind of remember this. So I would have been probably closer to six. And my dad, purely never having had to have this experience, looks at them and goes, yes. (gasps) Oh, <laughs> caught off guard. Parents caught off guard. What he, are we gonna he do? He was caught off guard. Yeah. He didn't know what to say, and I can't blame him. So my mom and him have a discussion later on, like because the friend was spending the night, and my mom and my dad have a discussion later on. This story has been told to me years later. That's why I remember it so vividly. And my parents had a discussion, and then my mom goes, "You have to tell them the truth. Like, as much as it's an uncomfortable thing, we have to tell them the truth. Like, we can't have them believing that." Yeah. So there was a little bit of rhyme and reason, and they did end up going to tell my sister and her friend being like, okay, you can't actually get pregnant from swallowing, but at the same time, please be careful. And like then they had the yeah, full yeah. sex talk with my sister, yeah. and I wasn't there for that because I was passed out in my bed. Thank the Lord for that, because that would have been a really uncomfortable conversation. <laughs> but that was like the first time that I kind of had any like memory of that. Okay. And then I would have been probably about 12 at the time because my other sister had her boyfriend over and I was swimming in our pool in the backyard and my mom and my sister and her boyfriend are sitting up on the deck and I come up from the water and I look over at my mom because she's like waving me down 
And I go, yeah, what's up? And she goes, do you know this? And names, I, I don't remember what it was now, but she names some part of the penis. And I'm like, what? She's like, did you ever learn this? I was like, uh, and I felt so uncomfortable. I have no idea what to say because my sister and her boyfriend are sitting there and I'm like, okay. So you knew it was penis related? No, at the time I didn't oh, because just, I had no idea. Like, I had no idea what this name was, and okay. so she turns around after and she's like, "See, I told you." Like, and somehow we got into the topic, and they said that it was a part of the penis, and that's how I learned it. Like, even to this day, I don't even remember what the word was. Okay. So clearly, it didn't stick that much. But like, the memory of being told this is part of the penis with my sister and her boyfriend sitting up there and me swimming in the pool, I'm like. Yeah, this is uncomfortable now. Interesting. So I just kind of went back to swimming and kind of just avoided going okay. up to the deck. Where did you get the message that sex was uncomfortable? Like you already had it from school, from church. Like it sounds like your parents talked about sex, but maybe only if they had to. Or it's like you didn't get your own – you were 12 and you hadn't had your own conversation with them at that point. So. No. So I think the reason I got the understanding that sex was uncomfortable was because I have a cousin and I love my cousin. But – her and her husband will, like, when I was growing up, like, they had a young daughter. And I think she's, like, 13 now, the daughter. And I was like, wow, I'm really getting old now. But anyways, they would walk around their house naked with their young daughter. Mm-hmm. And they found that super fine. And they had no mm-hmm. issue with it. And they still, to this day, are super open about sex. And I love that. But whenever they came over and would talk about that and, like, talk about how, like, they're super open – once they left, my family would have a conversation about it and they would inevitably kind of be like, that's a little weird. Like she's like the daughter's four now and she's seeing her dad naked and like all this. And so to me, I got the impression of, okay, so this is wrong to be that way. Like this is wrong to kind of be open about being sexual. This is wrong to be naked. And like, there was this wrongness in it. And I don't think that was the intention of what my family was trying to say, right. but that's how I per- ended up perceiving it. And so it became like this really weird concept to me. Man, I continue to learn. You know, it's really only five years ago that I started to learn how fucking weird, this is my judgment, people are about nudity. Like, I remember when yeah. I started sharing my naked pictures online and like I would get messages from people and this was like, I mean, I guess I already had the sex podcast, but I definitely remember. One of the reasons I stopped going on Instagram was because I would get multiple messages from people, you know, just from whatever, lurker dudes. I finally was like, do you understand that just because I'm naked doesn't mean that it's sexual and also definitely not an invitation to you? But but that's how I learned, like, yeah. no, naked does equal sex for a lot of people. And I think it's very, very harmful, especially in naked-friendly households, to conflate or to even just, like, imply, like, having nudity around a child is inherently like pedophilia like that is insane to me because it's like no it's not the behavior not the optics is what is important and that's where I kind of want to just like slap our world but let's get back to your stories so you didn't get your own sex talk it sounds like no I don't think I ever really did okay and you got abstinence education in school and no lesson in consent or anything, any, any like, any advice from grown-ups or any, like, clear, safe-feeling, like, moment of learning at all? Thinking back on it, I think most of that didn't come until after I had a big incident. And it was after that that my 
mom kind of sat with me and was like, hey, we kind of need to address this. Because up to that point, she kind of sat there and she's like, my kid is not having sex yet. We're good. Everything is fine. We're good. And I was like, okay, but that's not really what's happening. Okay. Wow. Okay, well, we're about to get into that chapter of your life. But first, I would love to hear, what do you think your best qualities as a lover are? Oh, gosh. Um, best qualities as a lover. Oh, that's... What does this reaction mean right now? Like, what's that? What's happening inside of you? It wasn't a question I was expecting. Like, I don't know why, but like, that phrasing of the question wasn't what I was expecting. I was like, what qualities as a lover? And I was like, oh gosh, I guess that's true. That is a question I should have expected, but I didn't. Or what do you like about yourself as a lover? That's always hard because I, I dealt with so much self-confidence issues growing yeah, up. It's, that's why I asked this question. So because it's really hard. It's really hard. Right, no, no, it's not hard. I want you to redo your language. I think if you drop into yourself as a giver, we all love to give. Humans all love to give. You know, what part is yummy to you when you have a partner, when you have someone in front of you? Like, you know, just because we're raised in a society that teaches us to shit on ourselves as a way of like connection, I think that's absolute bullshit. What, just, just drop into yourself and like, what are you good at? What do you enjoy? I love the fact that I am able to be a switch in almost all senses. I have no problem being a top. I have no problem being a bottom. I love being a dom. I love being a sub. And I love the fact that my partner like accepts that of me. And mm. the fact that, that that just makes me feel so much more confident in my ability when you have mm. somebody that supports you for it. Yeah. So I think my favorite quality about being a lover would have to be the fact that I can switch to allow pleasure for both of us in the best way possible. And I think that's a really key quality. That also yeah. <laughs> kind of implies that you're excellent at paying attention. We'll get into details, but that's really Oh, I, I'm pretty good at paying attention. I'll, I'll give myself pretty good. But at the same time, I have ADHD, so I get distracted really easily. <laughs> I think people with ADHD, in my opinion, really like to criticize themselves and their memory. I would posit that perhaps ADHD is just a different way of paying attention to many things at once. True. And just because we forget about one thing, it cycles back. You know, I don't, oh, yeah. I'm not ADHD. I have like a paragraphs brain. It just seems like ADHD because I'm like, no, 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 I'm telling you a long story. <laughs> Pay attention. Okay. Tell us just a little overview of what your sex life is like right now and your favorite parts. At the time that I originally said I wanted to be on this podcast, I was in a poly relationship. Me and my partner now are in just together. And our other partner who was with us kind of left and we're like, okay, you know what? That's good on you. It wasn't working out and that's okay. So it's kind of hard now because my only partner lives in Germany. Oh, wow. I do not live in Germany. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a difference. So a lot of ours has to be online, which is fine. We have no issue with that, but it also makes those moments of when he's here so much better mm. because then when he is here, we fuck like animals. Yeah. And that is the easiest way to put it because really nice. literally the second he gets here and he gets to the airport, I'm just like, it's not an option. We have to go to the bathroom like now. And <laughs> if, we could, if, if I could actually like have the confidence to do that, I would absolutely do it. 
but I don't want to make other people uncomfortable, so I don't. <laughs> Some airports have those like family restrooms, you know. That's not. I, I need to find it in I mean, my airport. Just, I need to find I'm just it. Just gonna my throw airport. that out there. I'm just gonna throw it because because <laughs> literally no one knows what you're doing. You could be like, oh, I'm. I have a. I needed help with a tricky snap. I need you help. Know? Like that. That's all you that happens. Yeah, you don't like, have to you know. explain yourself. Yeah. So yeah. okay, but so your sex life is partnered sometimes. What about your sex life solo? Ooh, so that's always a fun one because I love masturbating and I will not deny that. But I will also sit here and go, you know what? Some days it's time to take a break because what I do now for work, I do content once a week. And that's what I set it to is once a week I make content. That way it is that I have some content and it's not like overwhelming to have to do content like every day. Yeah. I just do like a two hours time frame in one day and I get plenty of enough content. Hot. So on days that I don't do content. Hold, hold on. You're skipping some details. Wait, I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry. <laughs> I think you were talking about, you said making content, but it sounds like maybe you're masturbating a lot in different ways. Maybe you could just like. 100%. Just 100%. Like talk about that. So. Because it is that I now mostly do my sex work on OnlyFans, my partner and I call it making content, which is the easiest way for us to explain, hey, we're in the midst of work and don't interrupt right now. So on my OnlyFans, I am known as the Squirt Queen. My partner actually gave me that name because he thought it would be very fitting. And it very much so is. So I have a favorite toy and I got him a long time ago, but I call him Rex because that was the name that was on the thing. Rex is a seven inch purple dildo. I love him. He is amazing. And so I will often sit there and just use him and kind of edge myself a bit. But every time I end up squirting everywhere and I will literally put down like a protective blanket all over the floor to make sure I don't get it everywhere. I will still have to get on my hands and knees and clean up the squirt from off the floor because it is everywhere. So a lot of people on my OnlyFans really enjoy that. So I have one fan who I love dearly because he has made so many requests for custom videos. His favorite is me doing a squirting video standing up. And I'm Ooh, like, okay, so I can do that. Yeah. So I literally have the camera put underneath me and I'll have like my foot up on the table and I'll just be going at it. And I am lucky where I am able to... I think my best was 10 times in three minutes that I squirted. Which How are you was, counting? Is it like a gush of liquid or like how do you count mm -hmm. one squirt? Yeah. Okay. So like, okay. so every time there was a huge gush of liquid, I was like, okay, that's one. And then I'd like build up to a second one and I'd go again. And it was like in three minutes I had 10 times. And I think that video is actually on my OnlyFans. Wow. So you're, yeah. you're an expert <laughs> hydrator as well? I am. Uh, I have learned I really have to have hydration yeah. is key because yeah. otherwise you just can't do it. And there have been times where I tried to record and it just it doesn't work because I didn't have enough liquid in my body. And I was like, OK, clearly I needed to better hydrate. We got one video out of it. We'll try to get a second one later in the week. And that's what it is. So I oftentimes do that. I love playing with Rex because it is the most fun I ever have. And there was a long time where my partner would have to use Rex on me to get me to squirt because I couldn't do it any other way. Mm. We have gotten out of that, which I'm really happy about because now he can make me come with just his cock, which is amazing. And I'm like, yes. 
Amazing. So I'm very happy about that. But the, it, it took a long time to get there. So for a long time, Rex was my only friend. And for even a longer time before that, I just thought I couldn't come because I had never been able to. I couldn't come. And that was all the way up until I was 19-ish. Okay. And I'm 21. So it was only two years ago that I really like started to actually be like, okay, I can do this. Amazing. I can have fun. I can come. I can squirt. This is awesome. But it took a very long time to get there. I love it. I love it. I know it does seem the younger we are, the longer a time seems to take. I think I was in my later 20s when I finally like realized that gushes of wetness were squirting and it could happen at the yep. hands of some. I love that too because I now, if I know I have a date with a partner, I'll be like, make sure you're hydrated. Because also can yes. fucking ruin a boner or ruin a wetness and and people just feel better when they're hydrated. But I used to have a dom who would tell me to do that. And that is so hot to me too. Like just hydration as a turn on. <laughs> My partner actually has a app that he like found and he has it set up for me. So I literally have to drink six glasses of water a day minimum so that I can stay hydrated enough to do the content nice. later at the night. And I'm like, so hot. yeah, I definitely need this. And it's so hot to have him do that. That's so hot. Wait, so you do you record mostly at night? I record mostly at night, but it also depends. So I live in a house with six people still, one of which is my brother, which can be really hard to make content. Yeah. So I often record at night because not really night, more afternoon, because then like, my brother's gone to work. So I'm like, okay, I don't have to worry about that. The only ones that are here are the people in the basement. And I'm like, cool. I don't have to worry about people hearing That's me. Great. We're good. Dude, so I totally afternoon is my key time. I love afternoon delights. I found, you know, sometimes I'm horny enough before bedtime to make stuff and also share it. But sometimes I'm just like, I don't know. It's like night times are my secret just for me wind down moment. Um, and I get the most horny in the afternoon for sure. Like for sure. Oh, yeah. Do you do you have a horny time specifically? A specific horny time? That's mm. always hard for me because I'll wake up horny. Like 100% I'll wake up horny. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't really want to do stuff until like probably around one in the afternoon because okay. that is the sweet time for me of like my partner is home from work. I'm not doing anything most of the time because my classes don't run at one o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm like, I'm good. I can just get off and my partner can be there and he can like watch and oh, so nice. Is your partner there like inspiring you while you're recording content or is it like a solo? Oh, you have a literal muse. I know. You have a literal content muse. That's my fucking dream. Oh my God. The flirt that I'm talking to right now, I'm like, maybe he's a really good candidate, but damn, that's so hot. That's such a turn on. (gasps) Yeah. So whenever I'm recording, sometimes I'll have my phone on record and I'll have him on my iPad or on my laptop and he'll be watching it. And it's so hot sometimes because I'll see him start like touching himself and I'm just like, he is getting off to me getting off and that is hot. And that that. makes me want to get off more because it's so like, it's such a turn on and anyone who doesn't have that, I'm just like, Oh, you need to experience it at least once, please just have somebody watch you get off is so hot that's so cool okay i fucking love that lovers this episode is sponsored by blue chew we all know that the foundation to an awesome sex life is excellent mental and physical health but if proper rest exercise and a healthy lifestyle aren't leading to the blood flow you'd like when and where you'd like it check out bluechew.com blue chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as viagra cialis and levitra but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. 
and the process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with awkward physicians who aren't trained to talk about sex lives, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They always say first impressions are important, but what about lasting impressions? Lovers, I do believe that we can always make loving, lasting impressions by connecting and being present and chasing our pleasure and our partner's pleasure. And if your priority is making a deep, deep impression between two beautiful, enthusiastic thighs or cheeks in the name of partnered pleasure, I get it. I've worn a strap on now. I, too, love having a hard cock. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That is BlueChew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. All right. We've gotten some of your details already, but let's fill in all the gaps. Take us back to your early years. Tell us when you first remember hearing about sex, what you remember thinking about it, and then take us through your formative timeline, sexually sharing whatever is important to where you are today. Okay. So first time hearing about sex, I would have been young because my cousins were so open about the fact they had infertility issues. So that was like a big thing that I heard about because my cousins were all like even older than my eldest sister. So I was young when I was hearing this. I was like four maybe. And I remember just like learning about it, but not like in full sentences. It was always bits and pieces here and there. So I never got like the full understanding of it. Mm -hmm. And I never truly understood like, okay, this is this, this is this. And I was like, for a long time, I was like, what is a clit? Like, what, what is the clit? I didn't know because no one had ever explained it to me. And if nobody explains it to you, you really don't know. And I remember I was sitting at my friend's house with her older sister and we were talking about like parts of the vagina because she was dealing with, she had just had sex. Like I would have been older at this point. I would have been like 10. And her older sister, she was like, oh yeah, I just had sex and I the condom broke, so I have to get a, a plan B. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't know what half of this is, but I'm sitting there and I'm, like, I'm just like, she's like, I'm bleeding and all this. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I understood like you bleed and all that, but I didn't understand like all of it. But I remember her showing me like a diagram of the vagina so that it is that I could actually understand like where the placement of things were. And to this day, I'm still sitting here and I'm like, I'm still a little lost on like where the clit entirely is because I know like that sounds really bad, but I know no. that like it's sometimes like hidden under folds in that. And I'm yeah. like, it's hard to find. I will admit that. Everyone is different. Everybody is different. Now that I've had a lot of opportunities to look at a lot more clits too, they look different. Mine looked at, you know, I spend a lot of time staring in the mirror and looking at diagrams before I was like really sure you know and for me I can feel because my actual clit is so sensitive that when you pull back the hood all the way I can yeah. see this little button and that I never really discovered because it is so fucking sensitive that getting there sometimes for me like to bear all the skin and open her up too much too much and she's really really buried <laughs> And it all has to do with placement and like hood shape and size. And so my hood yeah. is like 
kind of small, but still covers. But yes, it's a whole thing. And this is why I'm like, I want to do the next version of sex stories where I just do it on OnlyFans, but I'm allowed to explore each person deeply <laughs> up close. There you go. Like, what does that feel like? What does that feel like? So I, I feel you. You know, it's it takes some research, right, on yourself and others. Yeah. So that was like the big one for me. And then mm-hmm. after that, I feel like it actually started to get into like actual sex components of like, okay, I'm actually doing sexual acts. I'm doing all this stuff. I would have been about 14. This is solo solo discovery? No, this is not solo discovery. If, I, if I'm counting solo discovery, I would have been about eight. Okay. I think about eight, I actually started to like touch down there. It felt good. I still don't entirely understand like why it felt good at that time. Because again, never had to talk, never really. But I understood it felt good and it was supposed to feel good. I okay. understood that much. So there was that component. But at 14 would have been my first experience with another person. And I'll full out admit it. He was a jackass. He came over. We started like making out. And I'm genuinely mean making out. And we were kissing and all that. <laughs> and then like fast forward, his hand went down my pants. And I was like, okay, this is fine, I guess. And I was a little uncomfortable because I was like, I don't entirely know what's happening here. Because yeah. again, never had to talk. Right. And then it was about two minutes later that all of a sudden his hand went inside and I flipped out and I like shoved his hand out and that hurt because I didn't know what was happening. And so it was like really painful Mm. and we kind of just kept making out for a little bit after that. And then he went home. He never really like said anything after. And when I tried to talk to him, he was just kind of like really rude. And I was like, okay, I need to be done with this. I really need to be done with this. I then met my ex but it was my first ever like long-term boyfriend and that was even weirder because fast forward I turned like 15 it was a little after we had met during hockey and I know very Canadian (laughs) (laughs) we had met during hockey he ended up coming over and we were dating for a while and I remember this he bent me over fucked me and then he left and I was like what just happened Because no one explained anything. And I was so lost. And I was like, I understand what we did with sex. Yeah. But I didn't understand why it didn't feel right and why it felt so rushed and why like it was such a because he just kind of hit it. It was right before he had to leave. He knew he had to leave. His mom was on his way to pick him up because we were young. Right. Oh, wow. His mom was on his way to pick him up. And he was like, "Okay." he bent me over, fucked me and then left because he was like, my mom's here. I have to go. And I was like what wow like it was the most confusing thing and like and nobody teaches us about aftercare when we're teenagers nobody and the aftercare no. is not just for kinky people like nobody no aftercare was never a thought and it was yeah. just never something that was discussed so that went on for a couple of months at this point like none of this was with condoms i was gonna ask about condoms and had you discussed it at all ahead no of time? It's un- okay we had okay. never discussed it We had never discussed it. It kind of just happened. And I was like, okay, like that's supposed to be how it happens the first time of like, it's not really discussed. It's more like a feeling and all this because I wasn't really taught more. Right. So condoms were never used until it is that I came back with a positive pregnancy test. That's when it is that he turned around and kind of lost his shit on me. And that's when his true color showed because at that point he turned around and said, you're not having this kid. And I said, okay because I was so lost. So 
I ended up having an abortion, okay. which is a whole whole can of worms. So we're not going to get into that. But I ended up having this abortion, and that really changed my view on sexuality. Because at that mm. point, everything that had happened, I turned around and I went, "My body is no longer mine to use. It is just to please other people." And I had that mindset going from 15 to 20. So for five years, I had that mindset of my body is not mine for my pleasure. It is for other people's pleasure. And that's a terrible mindset to have. So it led me down some dark paths. I ended up with some bad people, bad things happened. And I can't go back and change that, but I can move forward. I met my current partner and he managed to completely pull me out of that. But even before recording this, we were discussing it and I was so entrenched in my mind that I was nothing more than a sex object that when I Mm. met my partner, I turned to him and I said, look, I just want to have a relationship where you completely dominate me all the time because that's Mm. what I had had experienced all the time. So that's what I said to him. And he looked at me and he said, okay. And he never did it. He has never once like fully done that to me. There will be days where he'll turn around and be like, no, like you want to be dominated. I'm going to dominate and that's okay. And I'm like, cool. But for the most part, he has never like truly spent like days and days on end dominating me because he knows I don't want it. Mm. And it was just, I was so entrenched that my body wasn't mine to control. It was just for other people's pleasure that that's what I had. Wow. What a lesson to get during your most formative years as you are, you know, leaving adolescence and coming into adulthood. That's a lot. Rewinding back to when you were eight years old and discovering yourself for the first time, it doesn't sound like there was shame there. Was there? Do you remember? So when I was eight, there wasn't a lot of shame in my own like personal life of like, this is a bad thing. I knew I couldn't do it around other people. But you knew it was supposed to be pleasurable or you knew it was okay for it to be pleasurable. I knew it was okay to be pleasurable because... I had heard those bits and pieces of conversation of like, you know, it's good to feel pleasure down there and like all that. And before I'd walk into a room and then they'd shut up on the conversation. I I had heard those bits and pieces and I was like, okay, so it's okay to feel pleasure down there and feel good, but I don't know why. Mm. Like, I don't know why it's okay to feel pleasure down there. I didn't understand the whole concept Mm. behind it, but I did understand that it was okay to feel pleasurable down there. Yeah. We've heard a little bit about your OnlyFans work. Like, as part of your personal narrative, does it feel important to share any more about other sex works that you've engaged in? So <laughs> I have a Twitter, which is my dominant personality. It is completely just me being a dominant, which I really love being able to be a dom on that yeah. side. But I love my OnlyFans because I also get to be myself on my OnlyFans where I'm like, I can be my Switch side and that's okay. My Twitter is completely me being dominant because my partner on his Twitter, who he actually got me into it, was like, hey, if you want to do this, like, go ahead and I'll support you and I'll help you. Um, he's a submissive on his. <gasps> I know. That's so, so hot and fun. Wait, does he also have OnlyFans? Or is it just Twitter? He does. Like sexy? <gasps> he does. He has, you he sexy OnlyFans. I know. We have so, so much you, fun with it. Are you also his muse? A little bit. Damn, that's hot. Just a little bit. <laughs> All right. right. Um, oh, you're inspiring me. Definitely, there's definitely been times where, like, we'll make content together. Like, last time he was here, we were in my basement, and we were making content because no one was home. And we're like, okay, let's make all this content. And we did like a sexy Dungeons and Dragons theme. And I was a druid, which I don't know if you know, but it's like a person with nature. Yeah. And he was a rogue, which is like the person stealing stuff. 
we made a thing of like I caught this sneaky rogue and he's not even dressed appropriately. It was really hot. That's amazing. Funnily enough, that's actually how our first sex tape came about was we were recording that day because we were making content together and it's so sexy to like watch each other make content and to like go through the creative process of your brain being like, okay, this is how I want to make this content. It was so sexy to see. So we actually ended up making our first sex tape and it was hilarious because I ended up coming all in his hair and my partner is six, seven. So the fact that like, yeah. So the fact that it is that I came and it was all in his hair and in his face, I was like, wow, I had a lot of power behind that squirt. You power squirted on a giant's head. <laughs> I did. What is it? I really did. Wait, how tall are you? What's it like to be with someone who's six, seven? I want that so bad. So I'm five, nine. Okay. I'm five, eight. So, you know, I mean, yeah. I just got picked up and swirled around a hotel room this past weekend by oh, yeah. someone who was six, two. And I was like, this is I haven't had this in forever, but like that must oh, yeah. be incredible. How did you meet also? Yeah, tell us what it's like to fuck a big person and also how you met. <laughs> so it's really awesome to fuck a big person because at the same time, like you just I'm five nine. So like I know for an AFAB, I'm tall. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. So I'll sit there and I'll be like, no, I feel small right now. And it's amazing to like just kind of like oh, it's so good. And then when I wear heels, I'm still not tall enough to meet him. So it's even more like amazing because I have six inch heels that I wear when I'm in dom space. Fuck yeah. And it is amazing. And like, he'll be on his knees and he's still up to my shoulders. And I'm like, yeah, this is still so hot to me. So it's amazing. And we actually met through my abusive ex who actually started dating him and then I said I liked him. We were poly, by the way. Yeah. So I started dating, my ex started dating him. I said I liked him. I started dating him the next day. <gasps> and then my ex, yeah. And then my ex lost her mind oh. and went, no, and stopped talking to both of us. Oh, well, specifically okay. stopped talking to him. And then because we were living together, me and my ex at the time, yeah. she kind of had to deal with me. But yeah. she kind of like, at that point kind of turned off the whole poly and was like, I'm just going to date people just to get back at you. And I was like, okay. Okay. So that was a really interesting experience, but I got my partner out of it. So I'm pretty happy because he's pretty awesome. I was going to say, it sounds like you have a really good thing. How often do you get to see each other? So we try to see each other at least every couple of months. We see each other every summer at least. I went to Germany for Christmas last year, which was really nice. And I spent three months in Germany and he's coming here this Christmas. So I'm really excited about that. That's so cool. Okay. So rewinding back in, is there anything else in your personal story, sex work related that feels important for us to know right now? Because I have so many details I want to ask you. I think the most important thing that I'd say about sex work is like when I was doing actual like sleeping with people, It was a bad time in my life. Mm. But now I find like it just confirms that like I am such a sexual being and that's okay to be a sexual being. And I have people in my life that are great people and being able to be in sex work but not feel the shame that society puts on you or family puts on you is amazing. Mm. What do you feel instead of shame? Empowered. What does that feel like? Like, what is it? Power? What is it? I'm, I'm oh. noodling deeply this week on specifics of power, feeling powerful, how ego plays into that, and like how it's different maybe from feeling empowered. 
it's such a good feeling because you just sit there and you're like, I am strong and I am confident. And that's an amazing feeling to have when you've had issues dealing with self-confidence issues. So now that I can sit here like in my sex work, be like, no, I am powerful. I am confident. I am a badass. I can do what I want. And if you don't like what I'm putting out, you don't have to be here. That's okay. And like, that's what it took me so long to understand of like, I am a sexual being and that is okay to be a sexual being for myself. Mm. Wow. Are there ever moments where that shifts for you? Because I feel like some days I'm like, yeah, I'm there. I'm good with sex. And then put me in a certain situation. Suddenly I have to introduce myself to someone new and like explain that my whole life has to do with sex in very, very specific ways. And then I'm still sometimes I'm like, you know, I, I fluctuate, right? I have the days where I'm like, yeah, sex, 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 sex. And then I have days where I'm like, I don't, I can't even talk to a person, you know, and it depends on context, right? So yeah. do you feel like you're able to kind of like go forth wherever you are or are there still places where you feel that crinkle? Lovers, we are going to take a quick pause for a word from our sponsor and they have given me notes to do a sultry female voice. So I'm very excited and I'm going to do my best. Did you know the Flora app is a safe place to open up, embrace your desires and find like-minded people. This is the story of one couple who found the threesome of their dreams discovered a new level of shared passion, and stepped into a whole other realm of possibilities, all thanks to Fleur. As life's routines settled in, Robert and Lucy found themselves yearning to explore uncharted territories, so they downloaded Fleur and embarked upon a thrilling journey of sensual experimentation, learning more about each other's desires in the process. Open-minded and adventurous, Robert and Lucy dreamt of adding a new dimension to their intimacy, sharing the touch of another woman, being witnessed and connecting in a way that transcends the ordinary. In Fleur's diverse and accepting community, Lucy connected with Emily, a babe craving the same experiences. So they invited Robert to the conversation. The chemistry built and anticipation heightened as they exchanged messages until finally their agreed-upon date night arrived. A gorgeous hotel was the setting for their evening of pleasure, passion, and connection a shared exploration that fulfilled each party's desires. Floor app celebrates the beauty of open-minded connections. It's a platform where fantasies come to life and desires are embraced without judgment. For couples seeking adventure with others or individuals keen on exploring, Floor invites us all to a world where every desire is a possibility waiting to unfold. Download Floor now, express your desires freely, and find like-minded people today. I think there's definitely still places where I feel that crinkle. So because a lot of the people in my life who have not been the nicest have been men, it can be really difficult for me when I'm being my sexual self and a guy, he takes that as an invite to come in and like, hey, and like for get free? in there with me. Not even necessarily for free. Like they're trying to get sex work, but they'll like sit there and they'll just. No, but he's not paying you to talk to you. He's no. not messaging you no. with money on OnlyFans. Okay. So that's for free. Yeah, but but he's not trying to get anything i don't think so but really? like it's, 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 it's possible i don't ask anymore well what i've learned is internet strangers just want stuff my little sister had to kind of explain this and be like people just try to get stuff especially if you're like a yeah. person out there they'll just be like hey until you respond don't respond to hey people <laughs> so she had to teach yeah. me that <laughs> yeah. well i had a couple of people who would my favorite message that i've ever received is still somebody who said I want to put my big fat cock into your wet pussy and watch you squirt all over me. And I'm like, no, 
That's a hello Back message. The fuck up. That's the first Walk message the you got from me. That's the first message. Yeah. That was the first message I got because on OnlyFans you can send out like your message once somebody subscribes to your channel right yeah. so that's what was I, I had my message sent to them and that was what they responded to my message as and I was like no you need to yeah. walk away you know it's such an interesting culture on there because from the research that I'm doing I'm discovering that a lot of the people who are making 20 100k a month like that's that's the smash and grab sort of like as soon as a new person comes in there's this funnel right where it's completely different yeah. from the like connected experience that I think we're going there to have you know, and also make sure your messages are set up so you can only receive messages from people who are paying, maybe? I don't know. Well, the way my profile is set up is it's a free subscription. Mm -hmm. And then depending on the video that I'll post, you can pay for the video. Mm -hmm. And you pay right. for like the private messages, which is awesome. Great. But then that means you do get some of those really weird messages and you just kind of have to deal with it. Right. Well, that's when I'm like, nope, you didn't pay enough for that level of, of exactly. uh, you know. So because I always think of it as like you're paying to skip the steps of a relationship, right? So if you want to jump to the part in a relationship where you're like fucking me in the ass, even if it's a fantasy, you need to pay a proportionate amount. And if you don't know what that is, have a conversation with me. But like maybe work your way up there or, you know, just show me that you value me if you want to turn me on. I got a funny message this morning from like on WhatsApp that was just like, are you open to mutual masturbation via video? And I was like, from a complete stranger who didn't even offer tribute? <laughs> Absolutely not. Please fuck off, block. You know, and then they found no. me again. And, they, and I'm just like, you You know, so I think that's actually a straight up spam message and not something someone who even knows oh, who I am. But like, I'm just like, what a strange world we live in. And we can't even like give oh, yeah. it our energy. So what about sex work is empowering you or fueling you right now? It sounds like there's lots of turn on. It sounds like it's yeah. healed past parts. It sounds like it's connecting you and your partner. Anything else that we need to sort? It also sounds like you have muses and inspiration, which is just, you know, that's that's why I rearranging my whole life to be like erotic bucket list focused to like make that happen on OnlyFans. But it sounds like you've had a really good experience with that with your fans. Yeah. So OnlyFans, I've definitely had like a really awesome experience with. Like there's a couple that you sit there and you're like, what? What are you doing? But for the most part, I've had amazing people. They've all been so kind to me because this is like my first time ever doing something like this, mm. right? I sit there and I'm like, you know what? I'm getting likes on my photos from people that I don't know. And that feels yeah. good because they okay. want to like it. But you sit there and it's just a confidence booster of like, these people are good people that still like my content. And that's okay. That's okay if all you like me for is my content. And that's okay because yeah. you don't know me any more than that. And that's okay. Right. right. I was going to say, if they like you for more than your content, then maybe they're a stalker. I don't know. That's it's, a whole other issue. <laughs> it's interesting because as I hear you talk, I am noticing I have some opposite feelings in certain areas. Like sometimes I'm like, oh my God, these strangers, I don't even know who they are. And I'm trying to talk to them and they know who I am because I am out there. And what was I thinking in a five years ago? I didn't know any, you know, and so I'm actually working on cultivating ways to get people to share more about themselves with me. And also just coming to terms with the fact that like m most people won't and maybe I just don't engage as deeply in these anonymous spaces. But it sounds like there's a space for anonymity in your world that is really like cozy and nourishing. Yeah. I enjoy the fact that it is that like 
for the most part, it's anonymous and that's okay. So I think that also plays into the rule that like, I like exhibitionism. Mm -hmm. So the fact that it is that it's like, this person's watching me or like my partner and I put our sex tape on there. And it's like, this person's watching me and my partner have sex and they're enjoying it. Like Mm -hmm. they paid for this. And I'm just like, ooh. And it's just like a nice feeling. Yeah, that's super hot. Would it change for you if you knew who they were? I feel like that would be awkward for me. Most of the people I know are like my friends, right? But I'm like, it's quite possible that somebody on there I do know and I just don't know because they don't have like their regular username and that's quite possible. But I'm like, you know what? That's okay. Interesting. See, for me, I'm literally like, there's probably people I know who don't even tell me and they could be talking to me and I could be making specific perfect fantasies for them if they weren't so shy and full of shame, if they just like told me who they were and what they were into and then I could have a muse and be inspired, you know? So it's like, what about in person? Would you want to get watched in person? Like, does your exhibitionism 100%. extend to... Okay. 100%. There's a sex club here in, in my town. And I was like, I really want to go and like, yeah. just see what it's like. But you have to pay like an annual fee. And I didn't want to go by myself. Yeah. And my partner's not here often enough that I'd be like, right. yeah, I'll pay their fee too. So I was like, well, I guess we never really went. And I kind of am Yet. debating getting that for Christmas for him just say. so that Ooh. we can go now. And I'm just like, that sounds like a fun thing is just to kind of go to that because like, it's such a thing of like, we set rules when we first decided we were going to try to go there of like, no, like first time we're there, it's mostly just a, we just want to see what the environment is. If we decide like something wants to happen, it has to be with either both of us or there has to be two groups that want each of us. Like no one's going to be just left behind because that's right. one of his big fears is that we're going to go. And because he's assigned male at birth, people are going to be like, eh, no, I'm good. I just mm. want the girl. Mm. And that wasn't what we wanted. Yeah. So that was one of our big, like, no, this is a strong limit. And yeah. I think that was important for us to set. So I might buy that for him for Christmas and just be like, hey, want to go? That's so hot. Okay, but theoretically, if you then, you know, started to meet people in this kinky space and even maybe knew their real names and not just scene names, because I think this is also where I'm trying to figure out where do I fit in this world, because it's like, it's kind of jarring to meet people in just regular kink spaces who aren't even sex workers, and then I'm giving them a different name and it's a different, and they're still like all secretive about it. And I'm like, okay, well, okay, I'm a real person everywhere, so okay. You know, do you think you would enjoy getting watched by people you knew then if you knew that they were into that? Like if they're friends that you met in that place? Or does that still get into the territory of like, well, no, I know them. It's weird. Like, is it more about the secrecy and anonymity or is it about permission? No, I think it's more about permission for me. Like, I have no problem being like, yeah, I know you. Let's do this. I actually have a friend and their partner who was like, hey, your partner's coming out for Christmas. Do you guys want to have a foursome? And I was like, Honestly, maybe. Yes. Oh, I love that you're in a sphere where that could happen. Yeah. And I just love how like my friend and I can be like, hey, do you want to do this? And we're like, yeah, why not? And I love that we can do that. So like, I have no problem knowing the person. I think my issue is when it's like somebody I've known since I was little, because then I'm like, you've seen me grow up and like, you've seen all the shit I did. And I don't want you to bring that up and be like, are you going to do this again? Because I'm always terrified that that's what's going to happen. And somebody's going to bring up my past and be like, are you going to do this again? And I'll be like, I can't change what I did at 16, guys. I was 16. Yeah. Yeah. When did you start realizing that you were gender fluid slash not monogamous? Oh, so I came out as gender fluid when I was in grade 10 because my friend had asked me being like, hey, you said you weren't like 
into girls or guys, but I never asked you, what pronouns do you use? And I was like, what? And I didn't even know what to say because I'd never even, that thought had never crossed my mind. So I was like, I will need to get back to you on that. And then I did like some self-discovery. I did some reading and I was like, no, gender fluid fits. And then I dealt with like all these things of triggering out what pronouns I wanted to use, which was a mess. I eventually ended up on they, them, but it was a mess. And then figuring out I was non-monogamous was very, it was a time because I knew since I was about 16 that sitting in like just with one person didn't entirely feel right. Mm-hmm. The way I described it when I was 16 was there's more love that I have that can't be filled with just you. And mm-hmm. that sometimes hurt people, but I didn't have the words to express it the way I needed to. Yeah. And it was more of a, you can't offer me everything. And I don't yeah. expect you to be able to offer me everything. Yeah, That's no not realistic. one can. No one person it's, can it's offer realistic. everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just not realistic. So I sat there and I was like, you can't offer me everything. And I can't offer you everything. So why don't we find people that will help us fill those gaps? Mm. We can sit there and be like, I trust this person. And this person makes me feel great. And they maybe... Um, like cuddling, whereas you don't. And that's Mm. a really great thing. And I like cuddling. So this works out. And like, that was a big thing that I feel I needed to express. So as I got older, I was like, okay, I don't entirely know how I want to do this. And now with my current partner, we decided dating separately, like outside of each other, isn't going to work for us. So Mm. we have to have either a triad or I don't know what the other word would be, but like four or five or whatever. Yeah. Or some, whatever. <laughs> a cule. Exactly. We kind of sat there and we're like, a triad seems to fit us best. And we actually mm. have this girl that we're talking to, which I'm really excited about. We're going to see how that goes. We just kind of figured out like triad is what works best for us. And it doesn't always work out great for other people. And that's mm. okay. But if it works for us, then that's okay too. Fuck yeah. What about polysexual? How did you come to use this word to identify your sexuality? Like, what about it is yummy to you? What does it mean to you for people who aren't familiar with it or maybe who have a different definition? So polysexual, the way it was always described to me when I was younger was all but one, whereas pan was all and bi was just two. That was always how it was defined to me. Mm. And I was like, well, two doesn't seem right because I like more than just two genders. There's a lot of genders. Also, bisexual people will also get into a conversation with a... I mean, I I use them interchangeably. Like, bi doesn't just mean two, and it's also like if we're observing gender, all of it's there. So, okay. 100%. That was just what I learned when I was younger. So I was like, this is the definition I know. But I know a lot of people who identify as bi just because it's easier, but they'll date all. And I'm like, that's okay. So a lot of my friends identified as pan, and I was like, that's cool, but that's not fitting because I had this really big issue with men and men was like a really big issue for me. And I, Mm. I still cannot date men. It is a hard thing for me. Having sex with them is a really hard thing for me. Non-binary guys, I can get behind. I'm like, cool. My partner is non-binary. He's amazing. I love him. But like a cis guy, I can't do it. Polysexual seemed to fit better for me. And it just seemed to resonate of like, yes, this is what it is. Because pan didn't fit. Pan never seemed proper to me. I was like, no, polysexual is where it's at. And besides the flag, I like the flag colors a lot better. <laughs> okay. I love that. I'm, <laughs> I'm discovering more and more that most of the time queer people mean 
very similar things. Like they're the actual like what it is is the same, but the words, you know, and and the what resonates with us is important. So I love I love those details. Yeah. I'd love to focus on your turn-ons and turn-offs and maybe hear a little bit more about your switchy self. I don't know where you want to start. Maybe start with, you mentioned wearing six-inch heels when you dress up as a dom. So, like, that's kind of interesting. So I do love my six-inch heels. I have a six-inch black-heeled boot that I love to wear. Uh, My partner actually got them for me when I was in Germany because I was like, I don't really feel sexy right now. And he's like, well, what about heels? And I was like, I don't know. I don't really wear heels, but I wouldn't mind it. And he found this boot and he was like, what about these? And I was like, yeah. And so he bought them for me. And I felt so confident that day. And I think that was kind of what sparked me to be like, no, I want to be more dominant. And I was like, yes, this is what's happening. So it's pretty awesome when I get to sit there and be like, yes, I dress up when it is that I dom because I like feeling confident. I have a nice black corset that I wear, some nice booty shorts. I felt confident in them. And because I needed some confidence today, I'm wearing the booty shorts. The confidence that I feel when being able to be Dom is just so nice. Mm. However, on the switch side, being able to be a submissive and be able to be like, no, I'm just going to take my time. You can do what you want within reason. That's okay. And I'm perfectly okay with that. Like my partner, he's amazing. And he's able to like sit there and he knows just what gets me going. He loves to like trail kisses up my thigh all the way up and then just be like, nope. I'm done. And I'm like, you fucker. <laughs> so mad at him for it. And I'm like, you're such a dick. Because he knows. I have no patience. He knows that. That's why I just said he loves being able to sit there and just kind of edge me a little bit. Because he That's knows. So he That's knows. So and he'll like know just the right angle to put my legs at to get me to squirt. And then he'll just like lower it wrong one way. And he'll, he'll be like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, you fucking dick because he knows what he's doing and he'll purposely do it and i'm like (sighs) wait are you saying these things out loud like are you kind of a are you kind of a brat a hundred percent submissive interesting okay okay yeah so sometimes i'm not a complete brat but every once in a while i'll be like you're such a dick and i'll say that out loud honestly i think he enjoys that more because then he sits there and he's like he knows he got me going and he knows I can't do shit about it. Because what am I going to do? Tell him to stop and just go get a toy? That's not as much fun. No fucking way. So, I, oh. oh, that's so delicious. I love being teased so much. Even I'm like you. I'm very impatient. It's frustrating. But also it's so sad when someone doesn't tease me at all. I was dating a guy last year who like, you know, I was trying to take things slower. I was trying to like make a date really want to fuck me, etc. So we were doing lots of dirty talk over multiple dinners and he... It's such a big buildup about how much he was going to tease me and how he's going to do this and that. Never did. massage me. Not only did he not, like when we finally fucked, all of it, start to finish. And this is after like weeks of talking, him knowing that sex is the most important thing in my life, that I have these great gifts to give, that I want to do all of this stuff. Start to finish, a little bit of making out. He let me go down on him for about one minute before he was like, I just need to have you. And then I was like, massage first. He's like, no, let me just fuck you first. And it was less than two minutes and then it was over. And I'm not I'm not shaming anyone for like when your penis does its thing. But like that's a selection error. And also like, what the fuck? <laughs> so and yeah. when I say selection error, I'm pointing at myself with fingers to be like, well, okay. 
you know, learnings. But I think the tease is so hot, even if it's driving you insane. What's the longest you've been oh, teased yeah. for without, like, like edged for? What's the longest edging you've had? Oh, see, I'm terrible for it, and I will literally just turn around and be like, "No, I need you to, I need you to do it now," because I'm, I'm terrible for it. So I think the longest would have been maybe an hour. It like it's long, but like not terribly long because he'll literally. Uh, there was one time where he was like fucking me, and then he just stopped, <gasps> and I was like, "What?" There was oh, one time so like we were in Germany. I know we were in Germany and. He turned around and he has, I, I, I brought my hog tie. So I'm hog tied and there's a vibe on my clit, which doesn't really do a lot for me, but it gets me like enough that I'm like, I want to have more and yeah. I can't get more. Yeah. So that's what he did. And he left me there for about 15, 20 minutes while he went and played a game in the next room and oh, I could wow. hear him and he just did that. And then he came back and he looked at me and he goes, you okay? Are you okay, puppy? And I'm just like, <laughs> I was not okay. And then he turned around and like, shit happened and like, we kind of fucked. And I was like, oh my God, the release I got was so nice. Oh, wow. So nice after that. Cause I was just like, yes, I get to come and I get to come as much as I want. However, he made the mistake of putting me on his bed. We did not sleep in his bed that night. Because <laughs> it was so squirted. It was soaked. <laughs> and that happened more than once. And I was like, do you not learn? And he's like, apparently not. <laughs> he needs to get the special sheets. He needs to have them for when you come up. Also, just to put on my Mrs. Health and Safety hat, you were hogtied and he was in another room, but it sounds like you were still able it to was, communicate. It was still... And he was right there. So the way his room is designed is it's literally just a door. Yeah. So it's like a wall between us, but the door is right there. So I was like, right on the couch right beside the door frame so if i wanted to i could easily just be like hey partner and he'd be like yeah i got you i'm coming it wasn't as if he had walked away yeah yeah i just want to say that out loud i've heard a couple horror stories now from doms or people who work yeah. in the industry who fully left the room and came back and the other person was no longer alive because a terrible accident had befallen them yeah. so especially when people are tied up and like legit like not able to do things for themselves we always have to be careful about health and safety the good thing is, is because it's a starter hog tie, it's just Velcro. Okay. So if I wanted to, I can manipulate my hands to undo it. That's I never do, but it's always as a safety yeah. habit just in case because I never want to risk that because I've read the books with those horror stories and I'm like, nope, not ever risking that. Not for me, not for today. Okay, good. I love that. So are there certain activities that you're only into as a top or as a bottom or does it all switch for you? Like when you're breeding, like are you a breeder or are you always the breedy? I'm normally always the breedy just mm. because I'm most often with my partner and he's not really into getting bred the same okay. way. Like he loves pegging. Don't get me wrong. He loves when I peg him. We need to get a better harness for it. And that's one okay. of the things we were talking about for Christmas because we're yeah. like, this needs to happen more. <laughs> but he has gotten to a point where he fully like understands it and he is happy to help him make me make that fantasy come true. All the safety precautions are in place. I'm on like two different birth controls. Like I'm good. Okay. But it's just the feeling of feeling full and being like, yeah, this yeah. person's come is inside me. It's such a nice That's feeling so for hot. me. And my partner loves the same feeling, but like he doesn't really fuck guys anymore. Like okay. we're going to try and like open up to that and see what we can do. But like he never really fucks guys anymore. So mm. he would love it. But I'm kind of sitting there and I'm like, I can use 
his bad dragon on him that can let me put like the cum lube in it but that's really all i can do i still definitely want to try that on him i think we never got a chance to do it because the tube had broken and he didn't get around to replacing it by the time i got there and i was like well that sucks but it is what it is so yeah yeah. we're working on doing that as a fantasy that's so hot so is breeding totally separate from puppy play or are or can they be like is a puppy a, like a baby and you don't fuck a puppy or, or are you a puppy that gets fucked and then are you a bitch you know like how does it how does that kind of like work for oh. you or what's the interplay like that's a bit of both so this is the easiest way I, I put it because I like being called puppy like I love that but I don't necessarily just say puppy play I most often say pet play because when he breeds me uh-huh. he calls me his bunny he calls me specifically his breeding bunny, which is the hottest thing I ever hear. And I'm like, yes, I want to be called the breeding bunny. And oh, it's just, it kind good. of fits more. Bunnies are known to getting, like, having multiple litters and all that. So, like, it kind of just fits more. And, like, yeah. it, it's my fantasy more. And I love him for it. And then puppy play, like, sometimes, like, I'll still get bred when I, I'm in puppy space. But, like, not nearly the same way. Yeah. Like the scenario that plays out is not the same as if I was just getting bred as a yeah. bunny. Like yeah, yeah. getting bred as a bunny versus getting bred as a puppy is very different for me. Mm-hmm. You can have those different like mindsets. Oh yeah. And I don't always get that. Yeah. Do you wear like a tail or ears ever? So I have a mask. Like I have a hood. It's only a half hood. You gotta have the mouth available. Yeah, I was a little nervous <laughs> to get like a full hood that covered my entire head just in case like I started panicking. Okay. Because if I panic, I have asthma, it turns into a bad day. Right, right, right. We don't do that. I have like this half hood. So like the front half of my face is open. I still have a snout and everything and you can put a gag in it if you want or you can leave it undone and you can still fit something through the mouth. So I can still give a blowjob and it's really nice. <sighs> Puppies have to lick. Of course. And <laughs> it's my favorite thing of like, I love just booping him. So I'll like take my nose and just kind of like boop him. Do you ever sniff his balls? I feel like that's what I would do as a puppy. Like you got to go sniff crotches. I haven't. I'm going to be a puppy not. at a party and I, sniff all the crotches. I definitely need to do that. <laughs> I've definitely smelt down there, but not specifically his balls. Mm. Like, because yeah. that's just never something like I thought of doing. But like, okay. I've definitely like gone over and been like, and then been like, give it a lick yeah yeah just to like yeah confirm and like he, sure. he loves it and he like i gotta make sure it's mine you know <laughs> yeah just yeah, so yeah. You no know, that is mine <laughs> i enjoy it so much do you know what type of puppy you are i had to say i feel like i'm more like a great dane puppy almost because <gasps> i'm just so big and flumsy yeah, yeah, and like yeah. i kind of like fall over every once in a while because totally. my hands and my knees don't always work Absolutely. which seems very much like a great dane to me yeah i also yeah. just have a love for great danes so it kind of like so beautiful it kind of makes sense they're so cute i love that what about anal it sounds like you like to switch with anal like it sounds like you're pegging but also we don't know anything about your butthole yet yes so i had a very bad first experience with anal because my ex did it without lube mm, yeah and i don't know if you've ever done that it yep. hurts yeah, a lot of us who tried anal for the first time and didn't really, like, have anyone ever explain lube to us at any point as yep. much as we tried. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm there with you. Yeah. So it hurt. And I was put off anal for a long time. Okay. And then I met my current partner. And we were like, okay, like, let's talk about this. And he was showing me his Twitter. And he specializes in anal. Okay. And that is in his words. He takes a dildo, which we call Goliath. It is the size of his forearm, both in width and in wow. length. Wow. So 
he can take that entire thing. And I'm like, holy fuck. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, it's so impressive. What kind of prep does he have to do? To so do much that? prep. So okay. much prep. I, I kid you not. I think he goes through like three dildos before he gets yeah. there. Yeah. And then he can do it. And then he sits there. <laughs> it's the most entertaining conversation afterwards because then he'll sit there and be like, my butthole is gaping wide. So and this is an issue. <laughs> and I'm oh, like, that's not. Okay. <laughs> but he loves it. <laughs> he loves it. But like, it's just funny because then he'll be sitting there and he's like, I need to go sit on the toilet for like two hours before I can do anything else just so for it to close. <laughs> I oh laugh God. at him every time because it actually is what he has to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just funny to me. But well, I for love me, that. I love that. Yeah, I love it. I stretch out the muscles oh, and they yeah. gotta go back. And these are the types of details that I'm like, you know, not all the porn people want to talk about those level specifics, but I think they're so yeah. interesting. They're so interesting. But for me, like, because that was, like, my first experience, like, watching it, it definitely, like, put me in, like, a nervous energy of, like, I'm not going to be able to get to that level. And that's okay. But it was just, like, because that was my first time seeing him do it, it was very, like, scary. I was like, holy shit. And I almost felt, like, really nervous to be around him for a bit when it came to sex because like I was like you can do anal so well and I like I'm terrified to do it still and I'm barely doing plugs because I was so terrified I've gotten to a point where like I really love it now and I actually had like my first like actual like I had a dildo it was up there and I was having a fun time and then I had cleaned and everything and then still made a mess and I was like oh okay well that happened that can happen yeah and I still enjoyed it I sent the video to my partner because he still asked for it. And he's like, I yeah. want to see the fact that you enjoyed yourself. I want to see that. We just can't post it on OnlyFans. <laughs> no, I'm just not posting that on OnlyFans. <laughs> but like Certain that's... things I won't do live ever because I don't want to get into Oh, <laughs> no. That was one of the big things that like I'm trying to do is I my next video that I'm going to try to post on OnlyFans is going to be an anal video. I'm going to try. That's so hot. Because, like, I've gotten so much better with it. And I have, like, you know those three sets of plugs that, like, slowly get bigger Mm -hmm. that you can buy? Mm -hmm. I got those when I was younger. I say younger. I would have been, like, 18. But, like, younger. (laughs) And I was, like, trying those out. And I'm so proud to say that I was, like, I'm finally on the biggest one. I can do this. Nice. And the biggest one is approximately the size of my dildo. So I'm, like, cool. I'm going to try my dildo. And I tried it with that. And it was so much fun. So I enjoyed it so much. That's and so I was hot. like, I need to do this more. Yeah. And one of the big things that I had seen, because my partner and I watch porn all the time because mm-hmm. we're just like, it's something that like we can connect over and we'll <laughs> judge like the porn video because we, we often just watch like hentai, right? So it's fine. And I don't feel like I'm judging an actual person. I'm just judging animators. <laughs> sure. But we'll, we'll like watch it. And there's been times where I just sat there and I was like, wow. I wish my butthole could do that. (laughs) And I'm now slowly getting to the point where I'm like, I'm going to learn to do that. I can do this. But one of the things of a cartoon butthole. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) One of the big things that I saw that I really wanted to try was an enema. Mm -hmm. And I had never tried that. Mm. And so I was like talking to my partner about it. And he's like, honestly, if you want to try it, go for it. And he bought it for me and had it sent to my house so that I could actually try it. And I did it. And I was like, yeah, this is the feeling I wanted because you feel like so full and it's like such an awesome feeling. So I was like, this is awesome. And then because I have that, I can now like 
clean down there better so mm-hmm. that I can prep for anal. So I do that a lot more now. So now I actually feel confident doing anal and be like, okay, there won't be like a huge mess. So I'm slowly gaining my confidence in anal, which is why I put that in because I was like, no, this is important to say that like, you don't need to start out super confident. And I think that's one of the things that like people always think. Yeah, no. You need to start out so confident and to enjoy it. I'm like, uh, no, no, you do not. Like I was not confident in it at all. I mean, I'm still, I feel like confidence is a wiggly thing anyway, right? Like it's not a static state. And, you know, I think the important thing around anal is curiosity and enjoyment, right? Like I didn't enjoy it the first many times I had it, but I enjoyed trying because I was so curious. I enjoyed, like clearly there was something inside of me, my future ask, my clit, (laughs) that was like, no, put, put it back there. It's a different angle. You'll like it. You know, and now I'm obsessed with feeling my asshole squeeze. I got to for the, oh, I want to tell you a new detail, something I just achieved for the first time or or not. It's not an achievement, but got to experience. I've spoken on pod before about how I love to like put, okay, well, not with these nails right now. I mean, maybe in my own butt, but I'll put like the first, the first nub of my finger. If it's on myself, I know exactly where I am and I can do that easily. And I love having that on this specific finger, my left finger, not flipping you off, just showing you in my asshole when I'm coming because I love even more so than feeling the inside of my pussy squeeze. I love feeling my butthole just like squeeze my finger. And so I got to do that, that for the first time with a partner and feel them come as I was like watching them come. And, you know, and they were penis owners. So it was really fun to watch the shooting. And I was like, and feel the feeling that I usually only feel on myself. So confidence, I would say you're confident to even be doing it and growing it you know like that's really fucking cool and still doing your own ass is such a hot way to build that confidence in my own personal oh, yeah. experience so yummy i love that so much whereas like i feel like if i were to ever ask my partner that he would totally be like yeah let's do it yeah but like i personally just wouldn't want to because i'm like i don't know how i feel about that but like my partner's also into like a lot of things like he wants to give me a rim job and i'm just like I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. And he's totally okay with that. And okay. I'm like, that's okay. What's the part of you that feels not ready? I think it's more just because I'm so terrified that I'm going to sit here and I'm going to be like, I didn't clean well enough, guys. Mm. Like, it's, it, it's not going to happen. I didn't clean well enough. And I'm terrified for that. I know it's like an unrealistic thing, but like, it's my fear and that's okay. So once it is that I like work up my confidence in anal, I have confidence I'll be okay to be like, okay, you can give me a rim job. We'll try this out. Okay. It's so funny. I'm opposite. Yeah. I made a joke to him about being like, yeah, let's do it. And I genuinely meant it. And he didn't believe me. So he didn't do it. You're like, no, I gave <laughs> I you the like, window. You have to take it. Yeah. So, I gave okay. him the window and he just never listened. Here's a question though. Are you more likely to give someone a rim job or receive one? Oh, I feel like I'd be more likely to receive. Okay. Purely because I like feeling the sensation of tongue. Whereas like giving oral, like I've given oral to girls and it's just not quite, well, vagina owners. I should, Mm -hmm. I should be. We're practicing. Um, We're practicing. We're practicing. And I'm kind of just sitting there and I'm like, you know, this isn't really for me. Like, it's not really something like, I don't mind doing it because if they're enjoying it, that's okay. But it's not like, I don't gain a pleasurable experience from it. Like, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like super pleasurable for me, but if it's, pleasing someone else it makes me happy yeah yeah totally get that totally get that 
It's so funny because I never would have thought that I would give a rim job. Like, and if it hadn't been for like a submissive mindset, I probably never would have because I wouldn't have having a rational conversation about I'd like to do this. I would have been like, I think that's a no for, I don't know. You know, I never would have explored it. Today, I'm a lot more likely to receive a rim job. Well, assuming that it's someone that I'm fluid bonded with because I don't know. I've received rim jobs through laurels too. I will say it's not quite the same, although I don't have any of the clear laurels yet. So open there. But like, yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, you want to you wanna take the risk and stick your tongue up my asshole? Sure. <laughs> like, that doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> so, oh. and I will just say for anyone listening who is nervous about butt stuff, according to Nina Hartley in her Total Guide to Sex, she's a big proponent of just using a little, like, obviously maybe it's different when you're doing content and everyone has to learn their own body, but she talks about how for some people, enemas can cause like muscle spasms that can actually make things like way shittier (laughs) to be literal about it and she really likes to use like anal lube syringes to just sort of basically she describes it as cleaning the inside of the tube so you know so think about it it's just pink wet skin inside and so that's kind of what she recommends i have played around with both have experienced cleanliness and messiness in all scenarios (laughs) i will say that and I feel like it has more to do with like what I've eaten and the time of day than anything else. And so when I pay attention to that, that's when I'm like, all right, well, know thyself. Is there anything about your sex life, sexual, personal history, or just anything that's already existed in your world that we need to know about before we ask you about your hopes for the future? You mentioned turn-ons. And one of the big things that I wanted to talk about was key holding because since my partner is submissive on his Twitter and most often on his OnlyFans, he does a lot of chastity work. And so I'm a key holder. So did you do Locktober? We just finished October. So oh, like, did you, is I that know. a thing? I just learned about it. I never knew about Locktober. I before. also did. I also <laughs> did. This is my first October doing content and being a sex worker and content. Mm-hmm. So this is my first time actually learning about Locktober. And it was yeah. so fun. And my friend, actually, I reconnected with him. And he mentioned that his partner was a key holder. And I looked at him and went, you're in a chastity cage right now, aren't you? And he's like, I didn't say that. And I was like, you're in one, aren't you? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> you're like, you didn't say it, but <laughs> you gave like, me all the clues. You, didn't say it, but you gave me everything. <laughs> And it was so nice because he was sitting there and he's like, are you going to do Locktober? And I was like, my partner, he's probably not going to do Locktober because that's not really his thing. He doesn't really like it for long periods of time. So I'm like, that's not really his thing. I'm not going to make him do it. But my friend asked me if I was going to do it. And I was like, I don't have a belt. What do you mean? And he's like, you should get one. Because I mentioned like I kind of wanted to try it out. So I actually have a belt. And I tried it out because I got it like on the 1st of October. So I was trying it out and it's not as much as what I was hoping it was. And I'll be honest with that. Like being a key holder is so much fun, but I think it's so different wearing a belt, like a chastity belt versus wearing just a chastity cage. Like it's very different, I feel. And I think that was the one thing that kind of upset me because like, gender fluid moment it made me feel upset that i didn't have a dick i i was literally just thinking about the people like the swelling and the feeling it is probably the fun part and i was just having penis envy hearing you talk about that yeah Yeah. okay and i was sitting there and i was like that's what i want because like belts are just really annoying and i was like well Mm. this is annoying but i do have keys for it and now i'm sitting here and i'm like my partner is actually 
he's making a necklace for me with his backup set of keys on it so that I can have it and actually feel like I still have them. Especially when he's in chastity, when he's far away. And I was like, yes, this is what I need right now. Oh, wow. So this is a question. I don't know if you know the answer to this. I haven't interviewed anyone who did all of Locktober. Do they sleep in their cages? Are they sleeping in them? I thought they would take them off for cleaning purposes. But is it really a real Locktober? I think it depends on the person. And I'm going to say that because I know my friend, he does not take it off unless his key holder actually says, okay, you can take it off or it's pre-discussed with her. Got it. Which I think is really hot. I think that's hot too. But I would want my key holder to be like, you need to wash. Or I would be like, yeah. uh, Sundays and Wednesdays, at the minimum, you must yeah, wash. Which but is if exactly you what arouse yourself, touching yourself, taking it on and off, then punishment, something. Yeah, which <laughs> is exactly what they do is it's like, okay, when you're going to have a shower, you can take it off, clean it, all that, which he's very cleanly. So he showers like every two days. So I'm like, that's yeah. fair. That's a yeah. fair thing. But other than that, he always has it on. And I'm like, that's just amazing. Mm. Wow. Really depends on the person of if they want to sleep in it or not, because like it can be really awkward. Like I passed out with my belt on by accident because I was just so exhausted that day and it was fine. It doesn't bother me. But it yeah. also like when you wake up, you just have like those marks in your skin and yeah. you're just like, whoops. <laughs> OK, so let's talk about your hopes for the future. What else is on your bucket list? Okay, so I did mention I wanted to go to the sex party slash club at least once, and I'm going to try to do that for Christmas. But one of the big things that I really want to do is just like the open like exhibitionism of like having somebody watch me. Like that is a big thing I want to do. Even if it's not done in a club scene, I would just want that done at least once because I'm like, yes, this is what I want. Yeah. And my partner still thinks that's so hot. We also want to do like, a group sex more like that foursome might happen it might not we don't know and that's okay but we're gonna try for it fucking love it yeah and then you'll definitely get some voyeurism i mean you know if someone needs a breather he'd be like now you're the watcher i want to be a watcher we also want to like try to add somebody into our polycue just because we're looking to see but we're like talking to a girl right now and we're really excited for it but we know that's like a couple of years down the line when we actually like move in together because Distance is hard for a lot of people, and that's fair. For sure. Okay. If you could wave a magic wand to teach everyone in the world something about sex that would make it a more loving place, what would you do? What would you pick? What would you teach? I'd want to say you don't need to define yourself through sex. And I did that to myself when I was younger is I defined myself through sex. And I think that's a big thing that a lot of people do is it's like, or they define themselves by virginity. And I'm like, you don't need to, like, that's not a thing that you need to define yourself by define yourself by traits that you love about yourself or traits that you're like, yeah, I want to work on this, but you don't need to define yourself by whether or not you have your virginity or whether or not like you've been assaulted or anything like that. Just define yourself in the way that you want to sexually and non-sexually that's going to get you through life yeah, fuck yeah. and in the alternate reality that we will never experience because we understand that the way we came out today is absolutely perfect if you could go back in time and tell younger you a piece of sex advice what age or ages would you pick and what would you say i'd probably go to 15 because that was when i was dealing with the worst of it all and i'd probably just say it's okay to be angry 
about what happened, but don't let that anger define you. Mm. Because again, that was a big thing that I did is I got really angry, didn't know how to express that anger. And I let it define me and I let that define my sexuality and everything that I did. And I really would love to have gone to my 15 year old self and been like, it's okay to be angry, but don't define yourself by it. Yeah. And if you could design the perfect playroom for yourself, you have an unlimited budget. What would it be like? Hold on. I wrote this down. Oh, I'm so excited. First off, we're going to have a fucking castle because yes. Lord knows I want to be able, I want to be able to run away from my partner and just have him catch me and just kind of like not drag, but like pull me back into the room. But also at the same time, be like, no, I can do it in whatever room I want because yes. all of them are designed for it. A fucking and want, castle. Like, yes, palace. I want a fucking castle. Yeah. Pleasure palace. That's what I want. Yes. Mine's a pleasure palace. <laughs> yes. Mm. And then I'd sit there and I want hard points so that I can do suspension because I absolutely oh, want to yeah. get into rope play a bit more. Yes. But it's just like, it's so difficult if you don't have a hard point to do it. So it's like, yeah. well, you can't really do that without doing it safely. I'd like to do it safely where I don't fall. So <laughs> hard points. And I'd want like, if it was just one room, I'd want like just a wall of sex toys, like varying sizes, varying things so that when we brought people in, cause like polycube, obviously. But, yeah. So that when we like brought people in, we would have options that everyone would enjoy, like have some chastity cages, have some dildos ranging in variety and size, have like some vibrators different ones because we don't know what everyone likes and just like oh just go with it plugs anal beads i definitely want to try that still yes Def oh yes put that on the oh, bucket yes. list oh, yeah <laughs> yeah and i'm just like that's what i'd love and then i don't know if you've ever seen how to build a sex room on Netflix. I have not been watching TV, but enough people have told me about this. Like, after me writing this question, I was like, okay, I guess I'm redundant. But no, I gotta go watch it. I gotta go watch it. My partner and I would sit there and, oh my gosh, every time we would watch it, I'd get so horny just by looking at all of the toys and everything. I'd be like, it's not an option. We need to go fuck now. Yeah. yeah. And we would. So we had to rewatch that show like four times to actually understand what was going on because we just fuck so often while watching it. <laughs> so hot. But I'm sitting there and I'm like, I would love to have her design me a room just so that it is that I could sit there and be like, yes, this is what I want. But it's also like not me deciding what I want. Oh, and a drain in the middle of the room so Gotta that I it. don't have to deal with cleanup. Yeah. And you gotta have a hose there too, so you can hose everything gotta have the down. Hose so that everything is cleaned. Like I'm thinking about it. I fucking love that. Oh, that is absolutely amazing. Nova, where can people find you on the internet? So I have a couple of things. If you want to find us on Instagram, we are at daddy underscore bunny underscore twenty twenty two. That is our Instagram. That is shared between me and my partner, so you'll see both of us on there. If you want to find me on OnlyFans, it is under Solstice33. And on Twitter, which is now not called Twitter, you will find me at Queen313330. That's 3-0. Links to all of that are in the description below, lovers, so go check it out. Nova, thank you so much for being a guest on Sex Stories. Thank you for having me. I had such a fun time. <laughs> me too.